0: cultures may have lots in common, yet remember, two magnets with the same polarity do not stick together. They say that differences are dangerous, yet seven stripes on the same color will never make a rainbow. Don't be deceived by similarities, but don't focus too much on the differences. Devil is in the details. Same but different. This series aims to show what national cultures have in common, what makes them different, and how both the similarities and differences influence the way we do business.
1: The U.S. is a huge country which spans nearly 4.5 thousand kilometers from east to west. And this leads
0: to a great cultural diversity
1: between the two sides of the country.
0: In addition to being a multiracial, multicultural society, The United Kingdom has tremendous ethnic, regional, socio-economic, educational class, and generational diversity.
1: talk plays a huge role in American culture.
0: Britain is famous for its unique
1: sense of humor.
0: It's important to craft your personal pitch correctly to a British audience. British are very keen on measuring performance and benchmarking.
1: Another significant difference related to communication is the extent to which people in the UK and the US emotionally express
0: themselves at work leaders have confidence in their teams and value the views and opinions of colleagues and will often encourage open discussions standing up for your own opinion Hi,
1: how are you doing today i'm fine and you i'm great thanks so in today's episode we're looking at the two countries which at first glance are more similar than different They share the same language and their values are very alike. So we often jump to the conclusion that they should have a very similar communication culture. However, such similarities seen on the surface can mask important fundamental differences and even representatives of the two countries, when dealing with their counterparts from across the pond might encounter certain issues, yes. The US and the UK are the two countries that we're talking about today. And Agara, I know that your experience with the UK is a little bit more personal, isn't it?
0: Yes, indeed. Um, I lived in England for over 10 years. I worked in various business domains, predominantly in secondary education. And this experience shaped my working persona and undoubtedly influenced my own communication style. So. My conclusions and insights will be pretty subjective. And one more personal remark. My current job at SoftSurf is my first ever full-time job in Poland. So, before we dive deeper into comparing, let's zoom in on each country to give our listeners a little bit of context.
1: Sure, let's do that. So, we all know that the U.S. is a huge country which spends nearly and a half thousand kilometers from east to west and this leads to a great cultural diversity between the two sides of the country on the west coast you may notice an emphasis on work-life balance and the idea that life isn't all about work this coast is also seen as a hotspot for creativity and innovative ideas the east coast is the financial center of the United States specifically we are talking about New York City As a result, work can sometimes be very high pressure. And the work culture on the East Coast can also be quite competitive. Agata, the UK is a much smaller country, but its culture is not very homogenous either. Or is it?
0: No, it, it certainly is not. In addition to being a multiracial, multicultural society, the United Kingdom has tremendous ethnic, regional, socioeconomic, educational class And generational diversity there is national diversity within the uk Uh, let's not forget that we are talking about four entities as well as regional diversity for example within england there might be subtle differences in communication style between those from the north and the midlands like in birmingham or leicester and the south including london i'm inessa as communication consultants Whenever we are preparing a culture talk on either the U.S. or U.K., we are asked to include information about small talk, right? Right. So maybe let's kick off with this seemingly trivial aspect, okay?
1: That is a great idea. So we all know that small talk plays a huge role in American culture. It serves as a icebreaker and an opening to a more meaningful conversation. A lot of Americans believe that when you're engaging in small talk, You're maximizing your potential to connect with people and to build up your social and professional network, which eventually will be beneficial for you. There is also a 2014 study from University of British Columbia showing that making small talk with strangers, such as baristas when buying a cup of coffee or cashiers when doing some grocery shopping, can be a very positive social experience because it increases your sense of belonging to the
0: community. And Inessa, but what about the situations we, as communication consultants, observe on projects when our American clients skip small talk and get straight down to business as soon as the meeting begins? What might be the reasons for that?
1: Agata, that is a very valid question. Everything I said above is true about Americans communicating with Americans in social settings. However, again, it doesn't mean that all of them are keen on making small talk. But when it comes to doing business, especially with foreigners, we often see that Americans tend to omit small talk and get straight to the agenda of the meeting. And being time-conscious and result-oriented, they might even get impatient if, you know, you try to carry on small talk for too long. Especially if it is a 15-minute daily stand-up, spending a third of it on making small talk would be just seen as a waste of time. Having said that, if you have ever worked with Americans, you have probably noticed that they behave and communicate in a more relaxed way than people from Eastern Europe, for example. For us, being a professional often means being that serious at meetings, right? So when communicating with US Americans, it's important to be friendly, approachable, react to jokes, and be ready to engage in small talk if your American colleagues initiate it especially when it's around a big holiday, such as Thanksgiving or Christmas, or a huge sporting event, such as the Super Bowl. And in general, I think it's a good idea to keep up with the major events in the USA to be able to connect with the people you're working with and make small talk about them. Finally, I would like to emphasize that as in any communication, be it with people from your own culture and especially with foreigners, It is important to be observant notice communication strategies of your partners and adapt to them as we like to say we communicate with people and not with culture definitely
0: right but small talk is a big thing in the uk isn't it inessa maybe before i uh, answer i have a quiz like question for you according to a 2018 survey how many days, weeks, or months of their lives do British people spend talking about the weather on average?
1: What's your guess? Well, to be honest, I have no idea, but I would hazard a guess that it's the equivalent of a week.
0: <laughs> well, the equivalent of four and a half months. No. Uh, why are conversations about the temperature, sunshine, or rain go to ones? because you can quickly establish common ground with a topic that isn't too personal or threatening in any way. Often chatting about the weather will smoothly link with the plans for the next holiday or weekend away. I hope that many of you are familiar with the peach and the coconut culture model. The British are more on the peachy side, which means that it is quite important to make other people feel comfortable and relaxed around you. Same story is with how are you, a greeting ritual. This doesn't actually mean how are you feeling mentally and physically, like in Eastern Europe, but simply hello. The ritual answer is fine, thank you, how are you? So it's crucial to understand that small talk is part of communication protocol everywhere and with everybody, in a local corner shop, bank, pub, in a gym. So this question, you're right, is asked many times every single day and based on my experience small talk is more than just an exchange of pleasantries back in the uk when i was a teacher um, i remember having a conversation on greetings and small talk in poland versus england with one of my colleagues and he knew that i was walking to school for a good 40 minutes every morning and said you know agatha I'm guessing that you see the same faces on your way every day. So make sure that you say hello, how are you, you smile, or at least make an eye contact with the regular passers-by, on the same side of the pavement or even on the other, so that if something happens, I don't know, you suddenly pass out or you sprain your ankle at 6 a.m., these people will be the only ones around you to help, and they are more likely to make an effort and to assist you if you cared, paid attention and exchanged some pleasantries and so on. And trust me, this piece of advice, it worked miracles.
1: Yeah, that sounds reasonable. And there is actually one more thing that I can't help but ask you about. Britain is famous for its unique sense of humor. Is there any room for it in small talk and business communication?
0: Um, Sense of humor and deadpan delivery. Um, and... Does the thing that I probably miss the most. The ability to lighten up your mindset, diffuse tension and de-escalate uh, difficult situations with humor. Often by poking fun at yourself in a self-deprecating manner. It's sometimes difficult to understand British humor or to recognize when someone is being serious or just pulling your leg. Nevertheless, there is always some room for a funny or sarcastic punchline or witty bansa, so do not underestimate the importance of humor in in business discussions.
1: Amada, self-deprecation is definitely not something that Americans would do. They would rather promote themselves. And when preparing for this podcast, I came across the research by HBR contributor Andy Malinsky. (laughs) who is also the author of books Global Dexterity and Rich. So, in his research, he states that self-promotion is one of the strongest differences between the UK and the USA. Americans are known for talking up their accomplishments and selling themselves at job interviews, promotion reviews, and so on. Of course, as usual, it depends on individuals. Not everyone is skilled in self-promotion or feels comfortable doing it. And it also greatly depends on the corporate culture and business context. However, in general, self-promotion is a crucial skill to get ahead in your career when dealing with American clients. So if you're interviewing for a project with American stakeholders, don't shy away from selling yourself. It is not enough to say, for instance, that you're a Python developer with five plus years of experience. You should emphasize your strengths your achievements on your previous project, and what you're ready to contribute to a new one. Agata, I know that self-promotion is quite different in the UK, although the two countries share similar values, such as individualism and achievement orientation. Right. So, is selling yourself common in the UK?
0: Um, I would say it's important to craft your personal pitch correctly to a British audience. A hard sell is not appreciated. Even presentations and speeches often start with a humble, oh, I've prepared a deck of slides, but it's nothing fancy really. Often it would be down to your teammates or managers to put you in the spotlight. In my previous workplace in England, each Monday morning briefing would actually kick off with a short roll call, shout out to, which was a great way to share updates and give credit to where credit was due. Um, I think in the UK, academic achievement is highly portable in different uh, work contexts. A degree in any subject will often lead to a job offer in an unrelated field if your face fits in other ways. It is often assumed that um, people have the necessary thinking and problem-solving skills that might be useful to the organization. Non-academic achievements, such as sporting or creative can also signal to a prospective employer that you would be a good fit in upholding the desired aspects of organizational culture and the value of work as a means of realizing one's potential ambition life goals is a common expectation of workers particularly for those in jobs and positions with higher prestige And lastly, the British are very keen on measuring performance and benchmarking. And relationships in the workplace are often governed by this. So, try to understand the target culture. Managers and teams will be judged on their ability to meet targets. Even in teaching, every year, pay progression decisions are linked to appraisal outcomes and assessments of performance against appraisal objectives and teacher standards. PM targets are numerical, Uh, like 80% of students in my class will make at least one level of progress. So saying I met my target, I completed a milestone during the appraisal is usually enough to highlight your achievements. And the greatest lesson learned from my previous working experience is that the definition of outstanding performance is consistently good delivery. It's not about one-off or singing or dancing. Um, the, sec- the secret is sustainability.
1: Right. Thanks for sharing, Agata. And let's moving on uh, to another significant aspect of communication. So another significant difference related to communication is the extent to which people in the UK and the US emotionally express themselves at work. In the US workplace, showing enthusiasm is culturally acceptable. And what is more, it is even expected and appreciated. So, when you're at a meeting, it is absolutely appropriate to express your opinions or interest in something enthusiastically. And actually, it makes me think of some cases when we have to remind our colleagues from Eastern Europe to show their enthusiasm when their American teammates or clients share some good news or praise them for achievements. So when you hear something like, we've got an approval for your solution from our stakeholders, it's not enough just to say, oh, okay, you should show your enthusiasm by saying something, oh, that's fantastic news. I look forward to starting to implement it. And speaking of fantastic news. You've probably noticed that Americans use a lot of strong adjectives, such as awesome, brilliant, excellent, and so on. So if you get a feeling that you're exaggerating when speaking to US Americans, it might be just right for them. And saying that something is just good, maybe not enough. Agata, what about Brits? I know that they're usually much more reserved and understated when expressing their emotions. Is
0: that true? Mm. I will, well, repeat myself and say that people like to be seen as relaxed as this suggests high self-regulation and self-control. So a little tip, don't be a wild card. Unprofessionals are expected to manage their emotions and maintain a confident poise, particularly during a crisis in line with the famous British, keep calm and carry on. Your effort, passion, And achievements will be noticed, as opposed to the squeaky wheel gets the grease approach I believe you've mentioned before. So I see why such behavior might be interpreted as being much more reserved. Um, On top of that, the British use many mitigators, like a bit, rather, fairly or pretty. You will often hear something is pretty good, someone is quite convinced and maybe something can be slightly improved. Such statements sound or seem less extreme or powerful because the communication culture in a nutshell can be described as don't rock the boat and avoid open confrontations. Um, at the same time, it is pretty common to compliment good customer service. People won't simply leave a cafe or restaurant without thanking for a lovely latte or a superb food, not to forget about the thank you driver each time you get off a bus. And similarly, people celebrate even the smallest achievements in their working teams with, you know, a thumb up and well done, mate. Um, And to finish off, such communication culture also translates into how the British perceive power as more pluralistic, and generally, there is an emphasis on relationships and participation and reaching consensus. Leaders have confidence in their teams and value the views and opinions of colleagues, and will often encourage open discussions and standing up for your own opinion. So, you can imagine that such self regulation and self control um, are crucial.
1: Right. Well, this brings us to the end of the first part of this episode. But don't worry, there is more to come, so stay tuned. Stay tuned. Bye. Bye.